Hello, friends. Welcome to Read 'em and Weep. It me, your host, Sammy. And today we have a fun little cash game episode. The other day I played this session at the California Grand. I just went on a random Tuesday night and it was a very short session. I played for a little less than two and a half hours. The game ended up breaking. The, the casino is freaking dead. But in the two and a half hours that I played, we checked a lot of boxes off the poker bingo card. I made a big bluff. I called a big bluff. I sucked down on somebody in a big pot and I got sucked down on in a big pot. So it was a really interesting session, and that's what I'm going to do this podcast about. It's going to be on the four hands from this session. So without further ado, and in no particular order, let's get into the hands. All right, hand one, two, three, five at the California Grand Casino. Like I said, all these hands are from the same session. Uh, It's a 1K cap game. There are four limps for five bucks, and it gets to me on the button, and I look down at four, five offsuit, black four, five off. Now, in a lot of Northern California casinos, they do this thing where there's a button blind. So the 2-3-5 game isn't the three positions to the left of the dealer. It's a 3-5 game where, where the button puts in a $2 blind. And I don't really know why they do this. I mean, the button should be mega incentivized to play a lot of hands anyways. Maybe they figure it uh, cuts down on chops, which gets them more rake. I mean, that's probably it, right? Follow the money. But in this case, the action gets to me and 90% of the time when I'm playing a pot and it hasn't been raised yet, I'm raising. This is one of those special cases where I'm fine to limp behind. Four or five off is a hand that I want to play on the button, especially for no raise, Uh, but it's too weak for me to raise myself. It just doesn't really have enough playability, especially when I'm likely to get a couple of callers and I'm extra incentivized to limp because I already have two bucks in the pot, so it's only three for me to call. So I overlimp behind the four other limpers, the blinds complete and check, and we go seven ways to a limped pot, LOL live poker, and the flop comes jack five, three with two hearts, jack five, three, two hearts. I have four or five offsuits. So I have, you know, freaking middle pair and no kicker and a backdoor straight draw, not a real strong hand. There are three checks, and then it gets to middle position who bets 15 into a pot of about 30 once the the rake is taken out. It folds all the way to me, and I decide to make the call, not because I think my hand is usually best here, but because I do have some outs, I do have some equity, and then also there might be some good bluffing cards in my future, i.e. if another heart shows up and this guy starts checking and showing weakness, I might try to take the pot away then. So I call the 15 and then the blinds fold and then it gets to the under the gun original limper who's this just obscene limp dick. I mean, this guy just like limps like 70, 80 percent of hands. He's just completely hopeless and he check calls. So we end up going three ways to a turn with about 75 bucks in the pot and the turn is the six of hearts. So the board is jack five, three and then six with three hearts and I have black four five. So I turn an open-ended straight draw. Obviously, the third heart comes in. That's not great for me. But I do get some good news when the first two players check. The limp dick under the gun, and then the guy who bet out on the flop, he now checks. And at this point, I'm faced with two decisions. I don't have a very strong hand, so I can obviously check back, hope it's good on the river, or hope I improve in some way, or I can start bluffing. And I think it's pretty close Uh, But I decide to start bluffing because what I don't want to do is just give this pot away to somebody who's got a weak jack, like jack nine or something like that, or even has like a better five than me, you know, ace five 
or maybe somebody that has a six, you know, somebody, you know, this limp dick under the gun. Maybe he's just got six, seven on Jack five, three. Maybe he just had a gutter and he's like, oh, I'll try to bink it and then hits a six. You know what I mean? Like there are all sorts of hands that beat me, but that can't really take pressure if I start putting big bets into the pot. So that's what I decided to do. I decided to start turning my hand into a bluff and I bet two thirds pot. I bet 50 into 75 and the under the gun limp dick check calls that. And then the original better on the flop, he now folds. So I go heads up with the limp dick to the river and it's an interesting card. It pairs the six. So Jack five, three with two hearts on the flop, then the six of hearts and then another six on the river. Now our loose passive friend does something I wasn't expecting. He leads out and he leads out for a pretty small sizing, about one third pot. He bets 55 into 175. And my thought process here is that, you know, when really, really loose and passive players are just calling along and calling along, and then all of a sudden they start betting, they have something, right? So I think it's pretty clear that this guy probably has something. The good news for me is it's almost never a full house and it's rarely a flush. And let me kind of explain the reasoning behind that. So the reason it's never a full house is because Jack five, three on the flop and then running sixes, this guy would essentially have to have pocket threes, pocket fives, pocket jacks or pocket sixes for quads, maybe six, three suited. And he almost never has those hands because they almost always check raise the flop especially on a board that's this wet, that this draw heavy, this dynamic, right? Jack five, three with two hearts. Adding into that, he almost never has pocket jacks because he didn't raise preflop. And I have a five in my hand. So he almost never can have pocket fives, even just combinatorically. Now, pocket sixes is the only one that actually makes some degree of sense, maybe sixes and six, three suited. But there's only one combo of sixes and only two combos of six, three suited. And the other thing that leads me away from thinking as a full house is why wouldn't he bet bigger on the river? Like, why would he just bet 55 bucks? The the pot's 175 bucks. Obviously, this guy is a really recreational player, but even recreational players know that when they have a full house, generally they want to bet big. The reason he rarely has a flush is because he didn't check raise on the turn. That would be a really weird play for him to like just check call and then lead small on the river. Now, Obviously, recreationals do all sorts of things that don't make sense, but even if he's got a flush, even if he played it really, really weirdly, if I put in a big raise here and turn my hand into a bluff, it's going to be really, really hard for him to call. My guess is that this guy's most likely hand is three sixes, right? He had something like six, four or six, seven, one of these straight draws on the flop and he hit a six, decided to make a really loose call on the turn and backdoored in a trips. But that still means that he loses to flushes and it still means he loses to full houses. So I decide just to put the fucking screws to this guy, not let this hump take a pot off me with a really weak ass bet when he's capped. So he bets 55 and I decide to put the complete screws to him. I raise and I raise big. I raise to 350, essentially leveraging like half this guy's stack. And he puts a big frown on his face and he mucks his hand. Hot damn. Hot damn, took a pot off the limp dick wreck. Feels good. Feels good. This is actually a pretty creative spot, I think, for a bluff. It's really easy just to fold the river and move on. But these are the spots that that make a win rate. This is the way that you go from a good win rate to a great win rate or, you know, break even to a winner. 
is by taking pots like these. I mean, you know, this was a couple hundred bucks in the middle, like 40, 42, 44 big blinds was in the pot when I took it, something like that. And that's a lot of money. So one thing that the best players do and something that that I really try to do is look out for these spots where somebody's just asking to get the pot taken away from them if you're willing to make the strong move, especially in a situation like this one where the guy is very clearly capped to not have some of the strongest hands on this board. So took advantage of that, took a pot with a creative bluff, allow myself to congratulate myself on this one. Okay, that's hand one. Let's move on to hand two. All right, hand two. So I'm doing pretty well in the session. We're about an hour in at this point. I'm up to maybe about 1400 bucks off of my 1K buy-in. So, you know, just just cruising along, grinding along, not, not up a ton, but certainly doing well. And in this hand, a tight player in middle position opens the action for 25. Now he's going to be the main villain in the hand. And he's this younger guy. I've never seen him before, but he seems pretty inexperienced. Like he seems kind of uneasy at the table, a little nervous. He's not doing anything like egregiously weird, but just like you can tell he's not super comfortable. He's also playing extremely ABC, like he was doing a lot of open limping. So when he opens to 25, it signifies that he's got a a pretty good hand, also with a, a larger raise size like 5X. So the player next to act, who's just this massive whale who puts in a lot of chips really loose, he calls the 25, and then I'm in the cutoff, one off the button with pocket sixes. Now with these really low pairs, I usually like to call here, especially when there's another caller, don't really like three betting this kind of hand. In fact, I'd be much more apt to three bet a hand like six, seven suited than pocket sixes, just because pocket sixes are so binary. Either you flop a set or you don't. There's very few good boards for them. Whereas with like six, seven suited, you can flop a lot of equity and start barreling and bluffing and et cetera, et cetera. So I decide to make the call and we go three ways to a flop and I flop top set six, five deuce with two clubs. I have pocket sixes with the six of clubs. So not only do I have top set, but I also have a backdoor club draw just in case. So there's about 75 bucks in the pot. And the original Razor, the the tight, inexperienced kid, now bets 55 and a 75, a pretty big C bet. And when he does this, I figure he's usually got a good hand. He's got some sort of overpair or maybe like two big clubs. The whale in the cutoff flats the 55 and it gets to me. And even though I have top set, which often functions as a good trap because nobody else can have top pair, in this situation, I think it's kind of a slam dunk raise. Because the original better, the the tight and experienced kid is saying that he's got something good. And then I want to charge the whale with whatever bullshit that he's calling along with. Maybe he's got a flush draw. Maybe he's got a straight draw. I want to get more money in the pot. So I started the hand about 1400 effective with the cutoff, the whale guy. But the original better, the tighter inexperienced kid, he's got a little bit of a shorter stack. He started the hand with about 800 bucks. So the flop is six, five deuce with two clubs. I have pocket sixes with the six of clubs. The original razor goes 55 and a 75. The whale and the cutoff calls. I now raise to 200. Now the type player in middle position thinks about it for a while, looks genuinely concerned with his decision. 
And in the end, he ends up making the call. And I love that he's making this call because oftentimes that means he's got to overpair that he's just not going to be able to get away from. To my surprise, the whale in the cutoff also calls the 200. And we go three ways to a turn. There's 675 in the middle. And I'm just hoping no club, no club, no club. But it is a club. It is the jack of clubs. So six, five deuce with two clubs. I have top set with pocket sixes. And then the jack of clubs comes on the turn. Son of a bitch. Now the news gets even worse for me when the original razor, the tight inexperienced kid who plays pretty straightforwardly quickly bets all in baby all in ships it for about 550 into 675. Now I do get a little bit of good news when the hijack, the whale, uh, quickly folds. So that means that he didn't have a flush. He was probably chasing with some sort of garbage ass straight draw, even though there's two clubs on board. And now the action gets to me. And I am in a really, really tough spot here because this guy is not bluff shoving. Like he's definitely got something and he's got something good. So my first inclination is like, fuck, just fold the hand. You flop top set. He hit a flush. Get out of there. But the more I think about it, the more I felt like I probably actually had to call. And the reason I kind of felt that way is because, A, he doesn't have a ton of flushes here. This is a guy who liked his hand a lot pre-flop because he opened to 25 bucks, and then he defended my big raise on the flop. So can he have some flushes? I mean, sure. He can have I mean, almost all of the the nut flushes, right? Ace, king of clubs, ace, queen of clubs, ace, ten of clubs, you know, ace, three and four of clubs. But does he always just quickly jam all in? He's got the nuts like he can absolutely trap. Now, would this guy trap? I, you know, I, I can't tell you. I don't really know, honestly. Like, I, I don't really know the guy. He does play straightforwardly, so it wouldn't surprise me. But I do need to discount the possibility that he's got some of the nut flushes a little bit. There are also some non-nut flushes that he can have, you know, king, queen of clubs, king, ten of clubs, maybe queen, ten of clubs, hands like that. So there are some flushes. He doesn't especially seem like the type that's going to like open with nine, eight of clubs or seven, eight of clubs or hands like that. Uh, He's been doing a lot of open limping. since, So I kind of figured he might open limp those hands, but there are a number of Hands that I think I actually beat when he jams here, particularly over pairs with a club. The pocket aces, the pocket kings, the pocket queens with a club. I think he just probably ships those. The other part of the equation is that I'm getting offered a pretty good price, right? He bet less than pot into the river. Essentially, it's about 550 for me to win a little more than 1200. So I only need to be good here about 31% of the time. And like I said, I don't think he's always got a flush here. In fact, sometimes, you know, quite a bit of the time, I think he doesn't. And then also, even if he does, I do have like 10 full house outs. So by and large, I kind of do think it's a call. Even when I run this through Poker Cruncher and I give him a ton of flushes and then also those over pairs with a club uh, and then also a set of jacks, if he ended up turning that, I have about 50% equity and I only need to have 31%. So you know, in the moment I thought, you know, there was a good chance I was beat, but by and large, I I think I just kind of have to make this call. And so I do, I make the call, the river comes a red ace inconsequential. And this guy quickly shows his hand 
and he's got two red jacks. He turned a better set than me. Son of a fucking bitch. I had this guy dead to fucking rights. Like I was going to get it all. And he ended up hitting two outs, you know, and, uh, and, and my session that was going really good and really easy. And I was just running over the table. All of a sudden I'm stuck in a hand that I should have won a nice big pot and had a really, really nice session going. So that sucks. I mean, but that's poker. That's the way these things go, man. It's uh, you have momentum in a session all the way up until the time that you don't. Do I regret the call? You know, not really. I try not to be results oriented about things. Obviously, this guy had me killed. It's actually funny. I I did have club outs because he had two red jacks and I had the six of clubs. I could have hit a club and, and really re-dirtied him. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. But really just talking about the analysis and, you know, running this through poker cruncher and seeing the equities based on the ranges. I do think it's a it's a call that needs to be made, even though it sucks because, you know, you're going to lose a lot. So now I am stuck and that leads us into hand three where I probably play a little too loose because I'm a little bit steamed. So let's get into that hand. Okay, hand three. So we've checked off making a big bluff and we've checked off getting sucked out on a big pot. We still have to call a big bluff and we still have to suck out on some other poor bastard in a big pot of our own. Which one will this be? Let's find out. Hand three. This is soon after getting my world rocked by this set of jacks. It folds around to me on the button and I have queen five of hearts. And this is a very standard open from the button. So I do open to 20. And then the small blind who sat down really recently. I've never played with him before. He sat down maybe like, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes ago. He now three bets to 60. Now, this is the second time that this guy has three bet me and the guy to his left has three bet me a couple of times all since I got sucked out on. So I lose this monster pot where, you know, I was this big favorite. Wow, wow, wow. And then every time I open these rat bastards to my left are three betting me constantly. So I open a 20 from the button with queen five of hearts. This guy three bets and he three bets to 60. And the fact that he's three bet me before that I'm getting three bet a lot and I'm in position, and the three bet is small. He just went three X my raise, which, which is way too small for a three bet out of position, IMO. I ain't folding. Leonardo DiCaprio, I ain't leaving Wolf of Wall Street dot GIF. So I call, and I flop top pair. Queen, Jack, four with two clubs and a heart. So queen of clubs, jack of clubs, four hearts, and I have queen, five of hearts. So I flop top pair with no kicker and a backdoor flush draw. So there's 120 in the pot. And when this guy C bets one third, he bets 40. I'm absolutely not folding. There's really no reason to raise and there's really no reason to fold. So easy call. The turn comes the eight of clubs putting a third club on board. So I have queen five of hearts and it's queen of clubs, jack of clubs, four of hearts, and then the eight of clubs. So third club and then also nine, 10 gets there. And now he continues betting, which I'm actually pretty surprised about because this should be a really bad card for his range because I'm going to have way more of the 910 and the flushes than he's going to have. So he bets 120. And now I start thinking, yeah, he really like his one pair hands really shouldn't be doing a lot of betting here. So when he does bet, I think he's probably got like a lot of like ace king type hands with a club that might continue bluffing 
And then he may also have some like over pairs with a club, pocket aces, pocket kings with a club, ace queen with the with the ace of clubs, hands like that. Those are the kind of hands that might keep betting. Uh, but certainly I'm not folding because not only can my top pair potentially be good, but also I might be able to turn my hand into a bluff on the river, particularly if some sort of scary card comes like, you know, it's queen jack four eight. If like a nine or a 10 falls, I can bluff that card. If another club comes and he checks, I might consider bluffing that card, these sorts of things. And then a decent amount of time, uh, you know, if a blank comes on the river, it can go check, check. And I win with my top pair of queens a decent amount, at least enough to make it worth continuing here. So he bets 120 and I call and we see a really, really beautiful river. It's the five of diamonds. So I make two pair queen jack four with two clubs, then an eight on the turn, the eight of clubs, and then a five on the river. I have queen five suited, so I make two pair. And now he finally checks. So there's about 440 in the pot, and he has about 460 left in his stack. So right around a pot size bet. And I decide that jamming is clearly the best play here. Because like I said, when he bets the turn, I think he's got a lot of one pair hands. A lot of the time he's got ace queen with the ace of clubs, pocket aces, pocket kings with a club. And then sometimes he's just got like a missed ace king and it doesn't matter what I do. I just win. So what I really want to do is target those one pair hands that might be non-believing. So when he checks, I think about it for a while and I ship and he snap calls and he snaps calls so fucking quick. I'm like, shit, I, did I just get my ass trapped by like the nuts or something? So I just say two pair and he just waits for me to table my hand. So I'm like, okay. And I table the hand and he fires his cards into the muck and I win a nice big pot. So the fact that he called the river so damn quick and then got mad when I rivered the two pair clearly demonstrates that I was behind in this hand, that I was drawing pretty dusty until I hit that miracle five on the river. Um, So thank you, poker gods for that one. So like I said, I did get sucked out on in in a, a quite a bit bigger pot, but it's nice that the poker gods decided to throw me a little bone and give me this one. So, uh, you know, that's that's poker, man. That's no limit. OK, so we checked off our big bluff, checked off getting sucked out on in a big pot. We just checked sucking out on somebody else in a big pot. And in hand four, spoiler alert, we're going to call a big bluff. Stay tuned for it. Okay, hand four, last hand, uh, the tight player in middle position, the same one that sucked out on me with those pocket jacks, the kind of tighter, straightforward, inexperienced player. He opens to 25 from middle position. The whale next to him calls. I'm in the hijack with pocket eights, and I decide to make the call. And then the button calls and the big blind calls, and we end up going five ways to a flop. And I'm like, let's flop a set, baby. But we don't. We don't flop a set, but we flop a uh, a kind of vulnerable over pair, seven six three with two hearts. I have pocket eights with the eight of hearts. So the action ends up checking all the way around to me. The original razor checks as well, and I decide that I definitely want to bet here. I have an over pair. It's a pretty vulnerable over pair, and I want to start protecting my equity. I think it would be pretty bad if I checked here and, you know, some random queen comes on the turn or something like that and hits somebody's overcard. So 
I decide to bet and I don't really need to bet large. I'm not going to get like a lot of like hands with equity out, you know, but I do want to get like the King Jacks and the Jack tens and shit like that out of the pot. So I bet 50 into 125. Now, of course, this bet should thin out the field and get me like heads up or maybe three ways. But LOL live poker, it doesn't at all because all four of the fucking other players call all four of them. Unbelievable. Seven, six, three with two hearts and all four players call. And I'm just like, holy shit, like what card do I want to see on the turn? You know, it's like there's just no good ones, right? But one of the better cards for me at least does come on the turn. It's an offsuit king. So seven, six, three with the top and bottom cards hearts. I have pocket eights. And then the turn comes an offsuit king, the king of diamonds. So three players check to me and I decide to now check. Now, the the king actually shouldn't hit people's ranges very hard at all because they should be folding out random kings, right? King, queen and king, jack and king, ten hands like that. But somebody could have hit the king with like the king of hearts flush draw, right? Seven, six, three with two hearts. Maybe they have king, ten of hearts. They would definitely call a flop. So I don't think betting here is all that great. I don't even like checking here, though, because, you know, like I said, there's there's probably a decent number of hands that I want to get out of the pot and I could still be best. You know, the, the, the thing is, when all these players check call, except the button who just called, he didn't check first, but it's like they never have straights or sets or two pairs because they'd be check raising on this kind of board. You know what I mean? And I think even the button, if he had better than one pair, he would be raising two on this kind of like super draw heavy board. So it's like I actually think pocket eights are good here a decent amount of the time still but like man the pot's 375 bucks already and it's getting way too big for for pocket eight so i decide to check and try to get to showdown cheaply but the button is not going to let that happen he bets 225 now the good news is all the three other players fold and then it gets back to me and i call for two reasons the the first reason is the aforementioned that i think i'm often still good here. Like I said, the only hand I'm really concerned about is King X of hearts that turned that was going for a flush and then turned top pair because I think the button would have raised if he had two pair or a set or a straight, maybe not a straight. Maybe he doesn't raise that, but even that he should be raising. So I think it's unlikely that he's got a big hand. The other factor is that the button is a known lag, loose, aggressive, like he is very willing to make bluffs. He's very willing to put money in light. And so when you have a profile of a guy who is very willing to bluff and everybody shows weakness by checking to him on the turn and he puts in a big bet, I think that, you know, he, he's got a lot of bluffs in his range. So I'm definitely not folding. So I call the 225. And one of the things about calling here is that on the river, if he's got King X of hearts, unless the river is a heart, I anticipate that he's going to be checking back at a high frequency. So it's one of those, you know, I put out this episode a while back called if he bets, he's bluffing. I kind of feel like it's one of those spots where like if I call here, great. And if the river goes check, check, I actually lose a decent amount of the time. But if he bets the river, I think I actually just snap off a lot of bluffs because there's not that many value hands that he's going to be continuing through on the turn and the river. Like he's going to check back a lot of his one pair and just hope it's good because once I call this, the, the pot's over 900 bucks, right? So I do call the 225. I have pocket eights. 
on 763 with two hearts and then an offsuit king. And the river is a very, very good card for me. It's another seven. So it pairs the seven. 763, two hearts, offsuit king, offsuit seven. And the reason the seven is such a good card is because he almost never has a seven in his hand. Certainly he might call the flop with a seven, but I find it pretty unlikely that he'd bet into the field on the turn when everyone checked to him with just a seven once the king appeared. I think he'd be doing the same thing that I was doing with the pocket eights and just try to get to showdown cheaply. So maybe he's got king seven, in which case he's got a boat, but yeah, there's not that many combinations of that. So what are you going to do? So obviously I check to him and he bets 330 into 925. And if this were online, you'd be like, oh, this is a pretty small bet. It's one third pot. But live, you know, live players aren't very precise with their bet sizing. And even though this is only about one third of the pot or a little bit more for this game in a two five game, a three hundred and thirty dollar bet is, quote unquote, a big bet. But he bets it and I pretty much snap call. Like I said, I was anticipating a bet. And if it's a bet, I think it's a bluff a lot. So I snap call and he says, you're good. And I'm like, hot damn. I flip over my pocket eights and he actually shows his hand six, three of spades, which was flopped bottom two pair. It was seven, six, three with two hearts on the flop, then a king and then another seven. So he actually got counterfeited on the river and turned his bottom two pair into a bluff, which I actually think is a pretty cool and creative thing to do. Most players don't do that. Uh, I also think in this situation, it was probably not a great idea. I think in this situation, he should have just checked it back because sometimes his three pair is good, right? Like maybe I was just chasing a flush draw or something like that. So uh, I actually don't think he needed to bluff with it, but I was also wrong about my assumption that he would raise the flop with something better than one pair. So he didn't raise with two pair. I was wrong about that, but like also why didn't he raise? It's very, very strange. So anyways, I ended up calling the bluff. It was a very strange hand, very strangely played by by our loose aggressive villain, but that's uh that's kind of what lags do, man. They play weird and they do weird shit and over aggress sometimes in spots where they shouldn't. And then on the flip side, sometimes don't aggress in spots they should. Conversely, they try to trap in like bad spots. It's you know, it's what recreational lags do. But anyway, I ended up winning like a 1500 pot here. Congratulations to me. Uh, allow myself to congratulate myself on this one. So that is the way we finish it off, picking off a bluff against a loose aggressive player. We love to see it. So like I said, this short two and a half hour session kind of had everything in it, had a lot of stuff. It was really fun, action filled and, uh, you know, ended up getting out of there with a pretty solid win. Considering the hand that I get sucked out on and lost, I'm, I'm pretty happy that things turned out the way they did. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you all. Uh, I know I've been a little bit inconsistent in dropping episodes since the World Series, but, you know, it's fantasy football drafting season. So it's uh, that's kind of taken up a lot of my time. And then over Labor Day, I'm taking a trip down to San Diego with the family. So anticipate that the pods will be a little inconsistent for, you know, the next week or two. It is what it is. But I appreciate you guys sticking with me. I appreciate you guys tuning in. And until the next time, my friends, play good and run pure. <laughs>